kid. I'm still living in New York. I called my aunt's house on Mother's Day, Mother's Day and talked to the whole family like I normally would. And my aunt comes to the phone and she gives me this therapy sweet, hi, sweetie pie. How are you? Now, is this an aunt that you're, Listen, that you talk to often? Worry. Is this an aunt that you talk to often? Often. Right. So yeah. this is somebody Same that really. That comes to New York with my mom. I got you. So this is somebody Same. you're close to and that you talk to often. Got you. Often. That's correct. That's what she's laying on deck. Listen, don't want you to worry. Don't get upset. There's Which is when you, you that's when you immediately start worrying, right? I don't Correct. know why people getting, do that. Getting upset. You, it, don't worry. It's like, no matter how seriously <laughs> sweet the tone is that you put in your voice when you say those things. When you say don't worry, my worry is worry. on 10. That's right. That's exactly right. It's the equivalent of somebody texting you, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Um, don't worry. There's nothing for you to do. We can't find your mom. But like what? I said, don't worry. Right. Right. I'm like, what do you mean can't find her? My mom. Uh, you, what do you mean cannot find her? I am confused. I am Please explain as though I am a kindergartner. I don't understand what you're saying. The word coming out of your mouth. And I what you mean there's nothing I can't do? First of all, I'm about to call uh, the OH10 Sheriff's Department. I'm about to do something. Listen, listen, listen. Um, Jesus. It was a mess. We don't know where your mom is. She'd never shown up at my aunt's house after church. Parenting Up, Caregiving Adventures with Comedian Jay Smiles is the intense journey of unexpectedly being fully responsible for the well-being of my mama. For almost a decade, I've been chipping away at the unknown, advocating for her, and pushing Alzheimer's awareness on anyone and anything with a heartbeat. Spoiler alert, I started comedy because this stuff is so heavy. Be ready for the jokes. Caregiver newbies, OGs, village members trying to just prop up a caregiver, you are in the right place. Hi, this is Zeddy. I hope you enjoy my daughter's podcast. Is that okay? Today's episode, Pivoting on Pins and Needles. I cannot believe it. The one and only Erica Lynn Watson is joining us at the Parenting Up Podcast family. What's up, Erica? Hey, hey, hey. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Blessed and highly favored. Is that what the folks say? That is what the folks say. Thank you for taking time. Let's just jump right into this. You are a part of what they call the sandwich generation. That term really got created for us, for people in Generation X, because we have parents that we are caring for and we have children that we are caring for. You are one of those. Your mom has... What? I just had to take a breath as you said it. All right, keep going. (laughs) I know that's right. That seems to resonate with you. I mean, if somebody would like to come so I can tap out, I would say amen. But, yeah, that is me. <laughs> that, that is, is me. The salami in the middle of the sandwich. I know that's right. Your mom has Alzheimer's, correct? Yes, ma'am, she does. She was diagnosed 
um, in September of 2016. Okay. And you have a young son. He's not quite two years old. Is that right? He's two and a half. Oh, he's two and um, a half. He's... He is two and a half. He turned two in April. And two and a half going on 12, I'm convinced. But yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so we I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I want to back up so that so that everyone understands. I met Erica at the Mecca at Howard University. Hold on, let me find my That's cheers. Right. Y'all know you y'all, y'all know I'm about to Howard find University. I'm about to find some cheers. Hold on. Yes. Yes, Howard. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Yes, they should have never messed around and let me have these buttons. <laughs> we are both Deltas. I'm her dean. Indeed. Which means that uh, if, if she gets out of line on here, I get to do some things. So I'm, te- <laughs> I'm teasing. Anyway, she, I'm not, she's not in the room, so I can't really get to her. So that's the biggest, sisteriest of them all. Yay. Yay. Thank you. So I remember you a little bit starting to tell me, hey, you were like, Jay, I think something's not quite right with my mom because Zeddy was diagnosed a handful of years before your mom. What was it that let you know something's a little funky going on with my mom? What made you know something was happening with your mother? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. There were two major incidents that made me say, okay, we have to take this seriously. This is not just growing old gracefully or a casual slip of the memory can be improved by less coffee and more ginkgo biloba. Um, (laughs) The first... Excuse me. Did uh, you say by less coffee and more ginkgo biloba? (laughs) First of all, I don't ever want them to say that the memory can be improved by less coffee because that would make me cry. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, you know, caffeine is not great for the Alzheimer's situation. Um, but so the, the first thing happened was I was living in New York. I was living in Brooklyn at the time, and I was having some surgery, some minor surgery. My mom and my aunt were coming to kind of take care of me because I was going to be down for a handful of weeks and my cousin and her friend also came because they thought oh this will be a fun time to hang out in new york city and then we'll pretend like you know (laughs) we give a damn about our cousin too (laughs) where where did your mother live where were they coming from everybody was coming from cincinnati okay which is where i'm from my hometown where i'm born and raised in o-h-i-o uh-oh don't start Uh, that listen Listen, I had to. You served it up for me. It would be wrong of me to not go ahead and and take a swing at that. That's right. Um, They came up to New York from Ohio to kind of help nurse me back to health after, you know, um, a surgical procedure that I'd had. My mom and my aunt were staying with me and my cousins. They'd gotten a hotel room, but they would go out and do things while, you know, I was at home. So my mom and my aunt would kind of take turns like going out to enjoy New York and or staying with me to play like caregiver for me. On about day three or four, um, my mom was out with the cousins and it was just me and my aunt at the apartment. And my aunt said to me, she's like, hey, 
have you noticed like that your your mom seems to be a little disoriented, a little forgetful? And she's like, the girls, meaning my cousin, have mentioned it to me. Like we went out to dinner. We all went out one evening and your mom just was real kind of flustered by the menu. She was overwhelmed by the choices. She was very disoriented, like what she was supposed to be doing. And, you know, it just was very odd. Because my mom is a very well-traveled, well-heeled, cultured woman. She's a retired elementary school principal from Cincinnati Public Schools. She's done all the things. Like, you know, when you look up, kind of holding it down, overachieving, strong black woman, like there's a picture of my mom's face, like kind of waving back at you. For her to be like flustered at a nice restaurant because of an extensive menu is unusual. It's very odd. I want to pause and, you right there because mm-hmm. your mom raised you as a single parent too, correct? That's right. She did. I'm saying she held it down while raising you, sending you to some well-heeled places <laughs> in terms that's, of school exactly and right. having you in extracurricular activities. And your mom was very involved in the community as well as her career. That is correct. And she, she was a foodie, a bit of a foodie, wasn't she? Or isn't she? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so typically. Um, not so much anymore, but yes, typically her normal self is very much like an, an Epicurean and very much a world traveler and very much um, a cultured person, very well-read. Right, um, so, so an extensive yeah. menu in New York would be something she would devour and welcome, typically. Versus versus being flustered. Right. Right. Gotcha. She's not part of that Ohio that says, oh, no, that's too fancy. (laughs) No, that's not my mom at all. That's not my mom. Although, funny (laughs) funny story, like way, way, way back in the day. The first time I brought a boyfriend home from D.C., from school, he came home for Thanksgiving holiday weekend and we were getting ready to go out to dinner in Cincinnati and my mom was trying to extol the virtues of one particular restaurant in town and she said to this guy like oh yeah this restaurant has the best seafood in the world they're, I mean this fish is just so fresh and they're they're shellfish and their mullets they're all just so fresh it's just the best in the world the guy had to he because you know this is who he is he's a little bit of a jerk um, which I learned that later in the course of the relationship. But at that moment, he said, he's like, you are in Ohio. We are virtually landlocked, save the Ohio River. And you want me to believe that this particular restaurant has the best seafood in the world? Like, that's a stretch. Um, but all of that said, her point was, listen, don't play me short. I know good quality dining experiences when I see them. And right. this particular restaurant that we're going to tonight offers exactly that. Like, no, my mom was not at all out of her depth by being at a fancy restaurant in Manhattan on a Thursday night, you know, with, you know, the young cousins or or whatever. Um, So it was unusual, which is, I think, why my aunt raised to me like, hey, this thing happened and your cousins reported back to me. And it was just odd. So just, you know, talk to her, ask her, you know, how she's feeling, what she's doing. And then fast forward on that same trip where she was kind of helping to take care of me, nurse me back from post-op she looked at me with this real confused look on her face one day and was just saying to me like you don't feel good right and I was like yeah and I was, like, and I was thinking like she's asking me how I'm feeling so I was like I feel okay I feel better today than I did you know the day before I feel like I'm healing up and she was like but something was wrong with you you ha- like something was wrong right and I said oh I was like 
yeah, I mean, I had surgery. Again, I'm perplexed. Like, girl, stop. Like, you know I had surgery. I'm up here. Like, yes. Like, what are we talking about? And she goes, okay. She was like, you had a surgery and that's why I'm here. Is that right? And at this point, I was like floored. I was like, halfway, is she fucking with me? Halfway. <laughs> like, this is not like, funny, is mama. She serious? Is she serious? Like, I like not, like, it's like when, when people say you ask a question that another person just doesn't know how to answer, like those series of questions she was asking me were so matter of fact and so basic, I didn't know how to answer them. So I was like, yes, mom, like I had surgery a week ago and that's why you and Aunt Judy are here to help me recover from my surgery. And she was like, okay, I got it. I got it now. I got it. And that blew me like that. Completely you wondering, were you in my oxycodone? Wait, what's going on over here? Right. Correct. Correct. Like, I need to go count my meds. I need That's to go right. count my pills. So that was the first incident. The second incident was Mother's Day of 2016. It was May of 2016. And my aunt, same aunt that came to New York, doesn't live very far from the family church. Maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes max away from the family church and my mom was the financial secretary for our family church had been you know for easily 30 years she was the lady who always disappeared into the back of the church to hand count the offering to make the deposit in the bank to manually hand write the check so that the pastor got paid and custodial service got paid like she managed the church's finances for Easily right. Got the flowers years. for the Easter service for Listen, the altar. If anybody Absolutely. got paid, if anybody got paid by the First Church of God in Cincinnati, Ohio, it was because Maxine Watson wrote the check. That's right. So she did their taxes. She did everything. So my mom was very much an accountant. Although she was professionally an educator, her undergraduate degree was actually in accounting. And so numbers. And oh accounting wow! Were I didn't know first, that. Just like saying, just like your mom. That's right. So that, those were kind of her thing. My mom did not make mistakes with the checkbook. She did not mess up the church's money. I know people use that as a colloquialism, but in real life, in everyday life, Maxine does not mess up the church's money. And she started making mistakes with the church's money. The, the, there was Uh-oh. an assistant working with her who was going behind her and noticing mathematical errors in the registry that my mom was keeping, the checkbook register that my mom was keeping for the church. And she was like forgetting invoices and forgetting to like pay regularly reoccurring bills and things of that nature. But this one particular Sunday, Mother's Day Sunday, my whole family gets together on, you know, the big holiday, family Christmas, Mother's Day, Easter. They were supposed to go to my same auntie's house. And my mom now, one, never one showed question, up. One question, Erica, mm-hmm. as it relates to the bookkeeping at the church, did your mom indicate that she was having an issue keeping up with the books or did someone else notice it? No, someone else noticed it. Um, like the assistant that I mentioned, the young lady who was kind of okay. an apprentice to my mom was like yes. the church clerk in training, so to speak, was called she, me. Oh, she called you. Okay. Was she, she called just called, was, was she just making the corrections along the way? Yes, because my mom was very adept at covering up her lapses in memory. She had grown a very strong muscle of making it seem like she had it all under control and she knew what was going on and assuming that her questions were like casual throwaway questions. So she would do things like ask for directions to places she's been a million times. 
And then someone would look at her with a confused look and give her the directions. And then she'd say, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I always forget that last left-hand turn. Things like that. That is exactly. You know what? That's the same thing, ultimately, that the neurologist that treated my mom initially said that's probably what Zeddy was doing. Because I, like you, I was not living in my hometown when stuff started, mm-hmm. when the wheels started coming off the truck with Zeddy. They were like, Jay, most likely your mom had been covering and this she mm-hmm. also grew this large muscle that you speak of that Mama Maxine grew. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay, keep going. So not uncommon. She didn't... Uh, not uncommon at all with cognitive disorders, cognitive decline issues. Um, so, particularly when the, the person who's affected by it is so high-functioning. Yeah. Um, that high-functioning doesn't immediately go away, right? It just gets applied to ways that are actually not helpful at diagnosing the problem. <laughs> no, what they are is good. Okay. Look, they don't stop being good at it. They just, they're good at something new. That's exactly right. That's, That's right. exactly right. So you said that they so, were they were getting so they, they were getting together to go, for Mother's Day. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. They were getting together for Mother's Day dinner at my aunt's, house. and my mom never got to get. I'm still living in New York. I called my aunt's house on Mother's Day, Mother's Day and talked to the whole family like I normally would. And my aunt comes to the phone and she gives me this therapy sweet hi, sweetie pie. How are you? Now is this the aunt that you're Listen, that you talk to don't often? Worry. Is this an aunt that you talk to often? Often. Okay. All right. So yeah. this is somebody Same that really that comes to New York with my mom. I got you. So this is someone you're close to and that you talk to often. Got you. Often. That's correct. Yeah. So she's laying on deck. Listen, don't want you to worry. Don't get upset. There's Which is when you, you that's when you immediately start worrying. Right. I don't correct. know why people getting, do that. Getting upset. You, it, don't worry. Like, no matter how therapy <laughs> sweet the tone is that you put in your voice when you say those things. When you say don't worry, my worry is worry. on 10. That's right. That's exactly right. It's the equivalent of somebody texting you we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, don't worry. There's nothing for you to do. We can't find your mom. But like, okay, don't worry. Right. Right. I'm like, what do you mean can't find her? My mom. Uh, you, what do you mean cannot find her? I am confused. I am, please explain as though I am a kindergartner. I don't understand what you're, the word coming out of your mouth. And what do you mean there's nothing I can't do? First of all, I'm about to call uh, the OH10 Sheriff's Department. I'm about to do something. Listen. Listen, listen. Um, Jesus. It was a mess. We don't know where your mom is. She'd never shown up at my aunt's house after church. Um, But my family was out looking for her. So, like, my uncle and my cousins, they were all driving, like, in a circle between my aunt's house and the church looking for my mom. And one of my cousins had driven across town to my mom's house thinking, like, maybe she just went home. And this went on for several hours um borderline like well, should we call a you know a silver alert oh in ohio we have silver alerts like for elder that get lost kind of like an amber alert for children so should we call in a, a silver alert this went on for several hours that we couldn't find her and my mom is so old school with it that the cell phone was like not an option because at this point she had a cell phone but my mom's cell phone was perpetually not charged 
perpetually in the glove compartment of her car. Yeah, I'm sure right. by this time it had melted, right? It, I'm sure it was it, it was hot in the summer and super cold in the winter. Like it might not have functioned. Correct. Right. Like literally, you would have to schedule an appointment with my mom to call her on her cell phone so she would know to turn it on, to take it out of the glove compartment <laughs> of the car. She only had it because you purchased it one Christmas. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That's right. That's exactly right. Oh, silver alert. Um, I don't know if I ever heard of that. That's amazing. That's cool. I got to look into it and see yeah. if they have mm-hmm. that in any state I've ever lived in in the South. You had Mama to have Hole. been scared out of your total wits. I, I, I mean, I'm in Brooklyn. I, I cannot quickly get back here to be of help, to be of use. Like, who knows what happened? Like, did my mom have a car accident? Is she in some ditch somewhere? Like, what is going What is going on? We don't know. Several, several hours later, um, she eventually shows up at her house. And my cousin still is at the house and waiting for her to, you know, come home. And when she pulls into her driveway to the house, you know, my cousin is super emotive and panicked and, oh, my God, happy to see you. What's going on? Where have you been? And my mom is 100% confused about why she's there. Like, why my cousin is there? And why are you acting like I've been on a trip for months and weeks and days? Like, wh- like what is going on? What is all the fuss about? It was completely lost on her that she'd been missing for hours and hours. But come to find out that she couldn't find her way. She lost her way from the church to my aunt's house. And was kind of just like driving around in circles trying to figure it out. And then ultimately forgot that my aunt's house was even a destination and was able to figure out her way home, was able to identify one familiar street that led her back across town to her house. So when she pulls into the driveway at her house, she's unclear that hours have passed by and that there was a whole situation. That is even Mother's Day and house. that she has yes. missed a celebration and that anybody's even looking for her. All of all of this is like the Easter Bunny. Like, it's gone. She's it doesn't like, make any sense. Uh, why are you making such a fuss? I am just about to go into the house and just sit down That's and right. have me a glass of iced tea right. and rest my feet. Yes, That's right. And, and you're making all this commotion. Like, and you're here and what are you doing? Yeah, it was all completely lost in her. That was the, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. That's okay. when I came back from New York. Like I literally was on a flight home from New York that Monday morning. The first flight leaves LaGuardia at 6 a.m. I was on it. The very next day. Yes, ma'am. We got emergency appointments with my mom's primary care physician, and we started looking for referrals to like who's the best neurologist in the city that deals with memory issues. And how do I get my mom on that person's appointment book? So between May and September, when my mom was diagnosed, all of the remedial stuff, intermediate stuff that you do when you recognize some kind of cognitive decline in your loved one, that's what was happening between May and September of 2016. What do you mean when you say that? So for anyone who's listening that may be just starting when you say the remedial things that you so, do, what are they? Yes. Um, going to your primary care and a care physician. So the first thing you did was you go should, to your primary care physician. Makes, went makes to sense. Went to primary care. Yep. 
Yes. Like we did all the blood tests, like a full panel of like our, all of our vitamins and minerals and levels as they should be. Yep. Um, we went from there to everything checks out here. Your panels check out here. Let's get you to a neurologist. We got her an appointment with a neurologist, which was difficult, I will say, because getting an appointment with specialists is much harder than getting an appointment with your primary care. And the neurologist, the memory care center that my mom goes to, um, the neurologist that is there, no lie, the wait for an appointment for her is six months. So if you call them today, they're going to talk to you about an appointment in November. They're going to try to give you an appointment for like December 13th. I experienced the same thing. That what what did they tell you was the reason for the delay on your end? I know what they told me, which I thought was total crap. I was like, we got to yeah. do something because six in six months, you, you tell me how you feel. Life is totally different. Like, in the, I, I mean, I was pissed. I was furious. Are you kidding? I was writing letters to the chairman of the board of the University of Cincinnati Health System. I bet I you like, were. I, like, my network is that. My network is that. And I know every damn body. Like, there has to be somebody I know that can make this line go away. That's um, right. <laughs> because in my brain, what I was thinking was, listen, this in my case with my mom, I'm like, hey, for 61, 62 years, this woman has been fine. You know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm broad brushing here, broad strokes. I'm like, but she's been just fine. And to me, what it's looked like in 90 days, she's gone from sugar to shit. And you're telling me you want me to wait six months in six months. Correct. You know what I mean? She could be a vegetable. I can't. I can't That's give right. you six months to see a neurologist, who then That's may right. tell me, "Oh, we can't help her. You need to go and see a podiatrist." Right. You know, let I'm making give, this up. Let me but give you these pamphlets on palliative care. Like, correct. Yes, I can't. Like, yeah, no, no, you know, we're not doing that. Exactly. You got to at least see my mama to tell me if you're even the correct specialist, or can somebody give me. A pill that's going to let us hold on until, girl, I'm with you. Correct. Yeah, no, it was it was a literal nightmare. It was a literal mess. Um, Yeah, and you're talking about like you had connect you had connections. Your mother had health care. You said she was a you know a retired principal within Mm -hmm. the education system. So. You're saying well connected. You knew who to call. You knew what to do. You had. She had health care and you still had a six month wait. So that just goes to show you how stressful and harrowing this whole process can be. It really is, especially before you get a diagnosis, because you don't know what's going on. All you know is your loved one. Hello, as you've been calling it. Yes. Look, you remember. Hold on. Wait, wait. Hold on. You get. okay. wait. I get two sound effects. Yay! That means you've been listening to the podcast because you're hello. I've yep. been listening. I listen to it. I'm your greatest fan. You Yay! Know, I okay, wait. For whatever you do. <laughs> thank you. Thank I feel you, like I, I feel like I text you show notes after each podcast. <laughs> I listen on my morning walk. You actually do. <laughs> <laughs> to anyone no, listening, like, she actually does. She does. She actually does text. <laughs> she does text. <laughs> and we use this language that we could never say on this podcast. No, just in case use, either right, just in case either purpose. right, just in case either one of our mothers uh, you know, 
their brain powers come back. They listen. They would be very distraught over the language that we use in public. So it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. So um, you get yeah, so you get to a so neurologist. So that's a part. You get to the neurologist, and, and you know, and yeah, it's a very trying time because you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know the cause of the problem. All you know is. And you're thinking it's a neurologist, right? You're thinking a neurologist, but what if it's not? I remember that so much, Erica. Like, what if if that's not it and it's something else and you haven't even identified it? Yeah, that's very, very scary. Yeah. And we did the things, too. Like, we went to, we did therapy. Like, we went to, we did a, a, a family count, especially me and my mom went together to a therapist I'm like well, maybe she's just depressed and so that's what's going on like she's getting older and she's you know recognizing that she's forgetting things and she's kind of missing a step on who she used to be maybe like maybe that's what it is went to therapy and like my mom is like an old school southern baptist black woman she don't it's unfortunate she don't do therapy right, right. like she's she comes like... from the black tradition of can't you just go to your pastor and pray about it like right. she believes going to have a meeting with your pastor and prayer fixes everything. And so like getting, convincing her to go to therapy session, first of all, was I deserve some sort of negotiation prize for that. Um, <laughs> but then when we get there, like what I was, what I was observing in her, the therapist was able to confirm like, no, this isn't, this isn't normal depression. Like this isn't a manifestation of depression or anything like this is what we call cognitive decline. So the therapist did at least give it a name, like, because when the therapist was talking to my mom, there were simple things that she couldn't name. Like the therapist asked her like what year it was. Right. And she would say things like 21. Gotcha. That was the year. And so the therapist was able to say like, no, this feel, this looks like cognitive decline. So I kind of felt like I was on the right path with the neurologist by the time we got there. Understood. Um, and well, so, the and I want to just does... take a second to say shout out to you for being forward thinking enough and open enough to suggest. Like in the meantime, while you're waiting and pushing all the buttons to try to get to a neurologist or any other specialist you can think of to say, okay. Maybe therapy. Maybe this is a function of depression. A symptom of depression is forgetfulness. That does happen. Cloudiness, mind fog. And that is often an angle that is left out. So even though ultimately that didn't end up being a part of it, I think um, you should be commended for giving that a shot. And I can imagine that your mom did not appreciate you offering that as a suggestion ma'am ma'am in the most polite christian erudite manner i got to cuss out okay but that's okay that's okay i'll take that Um, absolutely yes so you you're doing all of this just to even get to the diagnosis so i want to step forward a little bit when you got the diagnosis was it actually alzheimer's yes okay when they told you and the, that the test that actually the test that actually confirmed it for them because they you know they did the normal things they did the MRI and all you know all this that stuff and those things were kind of leaning that way but they weren't conclusive like she didn't have the telltale like white plaques in, on the brain in the MRI yeah okay. um, but the test that they ran that conclusively told them it was 
Alzheimer's was a spinal tap. Okay. Um, I don't know if they did that for, for Zeddy. No. Um, no, they did a, a they PET did a, scan for her, but that it was about, th- it would have been about three and a half years between the diagnosis from, from our moms. Okay. For my mom, they did a, um, they did a spinal tap because apparently as the nerve endings in the brain calcify and deteriorate, which is the hallmark of Alzheimer's, they produce a protein in the cerebral fluid. And this protein is not foreign. Um, most people have it. Most of us have it. But in our sleep, our body detoxes it. Our body, you know, clears it, clears it out, which is part of the reason why sleep is so important in the maintenance and hopefully like the, the delay or prevent, the preventative care of Alzheimer's is because this protein um, cleansing process of the cerebral fluid happens in our sleep. But this protein was at such a high quantity in the spinal tap of, in the, of the cerebral fluid that it was conclusive for an Alzheimer's diagnosis. So that's what did it for my my mom. And so we got that result and we got that um, feedback from her doctor on September 21st of 2016. What was interesting is we go to the neurologist to get the results from the battery of exams, including the spinal tap. This particular neurologist um, has um, a counselor from the Alzheimer's Association that works in her office. That um, is kind of like, extraordinary. It is. It is. like She runs the clinical research, the memory care research center for the University of Cincinnati Health System. That is um, fine. So she's the, the, the best at this in our city, in our humble little city. She brought in this social worker from the Alzheimer's Association chapter here in Cincinnati into the meeting before giving us the diagnosis because they immediately wanted to go from the science of the diagnosis to the care and of of the patient. That is right? fantastic. And we didn't get that. I did not get that. And that would have been very, very helpful. So, yeah. So they were great. So they gave us the, the information, the news together with the social worker from the Alzheimer's Association. Um, And then they, interestingly enough, they separated us. My mom had further conversation, or the the doctor had further conversation with my mom, and the social worker had further conversation with me. So it's kind of like, this is a lot of information, and here, patient, I want to help you understand the science of what we're seeing, and I want to answer all the questions that I'm sure you're going to have about what does this mean for your quality of life? What does this mean for longevity of life? What does, those sorts of things. The doctor was kind of having that conversation with my mom. So the social worker was telling me, we're going to tell, tell you about all the resources that you should and can, and can avail yourself of because you're now a caregiver to a person with Alzheimer's, a person who's at the beginning of their Alzheimer's journey. So there are caregiver support groups that maybe you want to think about joining. Um, Here's what it looks like to put a network of care and support in place for both your mom and for you. So it was was much more of the human caregiver side of what a diagnosis of Alzheimer's means for me. And it was much more of the clinical side of what does this mean for quality of life and longevity um, for my mom with the doctor. They should get the Nobel Prize 
maybe there are other doctors or memory care centers or research facilities that are doing that. I would like that to become the standard of care for the diagnosis, the great reveal. You know how mm-hmm. now they're reveal how they're doing the re- gender reveal of the babies. They putting the color in the balloons yeah. and the cake and all of that. I want the reveal of the Alzheimer's to be, I love how you said there's the science and there's the care. So you have something that the doctors are going to say and something else that will come from the social worker attached to the Alzheimer's Association. That is fantastic. I did not get that. You're the first person that I've heard articulate an experience like that. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but man, it is such a dramatic experience. I remember my heart beating. I am sure that I didn't hear 98% of what they were saying. It would have been amazing if I had a social worker or someone giving me the care side. I just had a physician talking to me. I couldn't digest it. So, so you hear this stuff coming. What were you feeling in that moment? Um, I think I went immediately on autopilot, like you just described. Her mouth was moving and she was saying words. And I was being very much an executive with her. My work background, I'm an executive director at the National Education Nonprofit. And I very immediately went to operational execution mode with her. Like, okay, so what I hear you saying is I need to hire this type of person. I need to, you know, secure the house in these sorts of ways. I need to, you know, take over financial management and create room in the budget for these sorts of expenses. Like that, like it it immediately became a project plan because I could control that. Like I could execute So it sounds like in that moment you were not feeling actually. (laughs) You you said, oh, oh, you know what? I'm not about to feel any of this. What I'm going to do is execute a flawless plan to make sure that this project is handled with extreme efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Because it was was heavy. Well, that was my response. Yeah. That's realistic. That's very realistic. Now thinking back on it, hard. I think that was my response because it was self-preservation. So it's how I protected myself from. That's fine. The, you know, like the devastation of my, my hero, like the woman who raised me, the woman who has sacrificed everything for me to be who I am. Like the version of myself that I am today is, you know, handcrafted and man-made. Which I would like to say is bad ass bitch, I like to say. Yeah. (laughs) That's what you are. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Bad ass bitch who gets sprayed in the face by her two-year-old today. Well, listen. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) But you can do it and smile, okay? You know what I mean? Because of the badassery. Oh my gosh. Badass bitch who has Legos in the window seal of her office. Mm -hmm. That's me. You were speaking of New York. You were Mm -hmm. there. I want to back up a little bit. You got this news about your mom's health. Share with our listeners for just a few minutes what your lifestyle was just before your mother got this diagnosis. You were living in New York. 
Yes, I was living in New York. I was the quintessential. You know what? Let me just say it. You know, because you're about to make it cute. Yeah. I'm, 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 Jay Smiles is gonna go ahead and say it. Okay, please do. It was Sex in the City. Very much so. Very you're black. You're black, but so that's the life so you were leading in New York. So, but go ahead. You say it your so, way. It's very true. It's no. I think that's right. I think that I identify if I'm gonna combine the Sex and the City characters and the girlfriend characters, I feel like I'm a self-described Tony Child. Like, okay. impeccable wardrobe, very well-traveled, very, uh, you know... Um, but, but who are... Okay, so if, if you're Tony, self, then who are you on... Yes, you are. Love you to death, <laughs> and I appreciate you like, telling that. On Sex and the City, I... I Miranda Hobbs, like, super unempathetic super straight shooter super like tell it like ain't no asshole right for your nonsense yes no time want my life how i want it like want my life exactly (laughs) how i want it um and good and away with you and your foolery (laughs) away with you and your foolery correct correct zero time but both of them i feel like the thing that made me say for, for people who are like Sex and the City fans, like I was, the, the thing that makes makes me identify most closely with Miranda is the episode where Steve, before they get married and before they have Brady, he has testicular cancer. Yes. And Mo- Miranda goes with him to the doctor because he's thinking about getting a prosthetic ball to replace <laughs> the the one ball that they had to take away because of the cancer because he doesn't want to have one ball one he doesn't want to have one ball and when the doctor tells him like well you know it's experimental and and miranda's like okay we're leaving that's enough and (laughs) and steve is like why what are you talking about it's like steve it's a pinto is that what you want a pinto next to your one good ball and i was like she gets me i feel seen I feel seen. She is me and I am her. Yeah. That's right. But you're not a redhead. But that other than that, other I'm, than I'm that. I'm not a redhead. I'm not a redhead. I'm an artificial blonde. I but just I really wanted is. the listeners to understand that really is so the black girl Miranda Hobbs. Yes, Antonio. Yes. Now, I think that I think that would be me. And, and that was in, that in was the Brooklyn black girl magic life. That you were living, that you were cra- that you crafted, and you were traveling internationally and living life on your terms, and you got this diagnosis. You and your mom got this diagnosis within a year, I believe. You, I was back here. Yeah, within a year, you That's were it. back in Cincinnati, and you built a house. That's right. For you, the whole other story. Yeah, like we, we're, not, we're, not, we're not. We're not. We're not going. <laughs> We're not going to go far I mean, into that. The reason like I want all of the terrible life altering things over the past two and a half years, except for get a divorce. And that's only because my ass is not married to begin with. Well, you so. know what? You kind of <laughs> did get a divorce. So we're not going to get into that. But you did a little <laughs> bit divorce the dude. You kind of I mean, listen, we ain't got to say his name, yeah. but you were dating a dude. We had lifetime looking glasses on. And then we got rid of him. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Anyway, this is, yeah, <laughs> true. but what I want to really share with listeners <laughs> is that you wholeheartedly embraced caregiving. That's what I want to share. That's the part of your story that I really want to wrap up this episode it, with is that while it yeah. wasn't your plan, and that's why I wanted to bring up what your life was before 
and in a very loving way to say how self-centered and selfish you used to be. <laughs> because as Miranda and Tony Childs, baby, they weren't looking out for, you know, they were doing their thing. Okay. When your mom gets this diagnosis. You move back to Cincinnati. You build a home. You know you want to be a mother. You have a child. You build a home because you're like, okay, if I had to be in Cincinnati, I need my mom. I need a home that works well for my mom with her needs as a sufferer of Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And I have a young son and I need this house to work well for me in my life as a sandwich generation er, right? And it's very true. There are not a lot of houses that are already built that are made for the sandwich generations because we knew this is a new phenomenon that you need a house yeah. that works for a senior person with parameters and constraints. And then the little bitty toddler that's running all around, but you need rounded corners. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they, they can't it's hurt true. themselves. But then you got a mama that needs a good bourbon. She needs a nice wet bar. You see what I'm saying? And a nice deep tub to let all the suds take yeah. the pressures of life away. So literally on a dime, baby, you did a pivot. Okay. You did a pivot that is a was an Oscar winning performance. I saw you do it. It was oh, not in well, the public thank eye. You for, thank you for the thank you for the credit because I definitely feel like I put my head down and just did the work. Like you executed. did, you didn't. You created you, a plan you, and executed. Yeah, you I couldn't have myself an opportunity to. You stop couldn't. And like you couldn't because if you, things. sweetheart, if you had stopped and tried to feel or think it through, you might not have done it. <laughs> because it oh my goodness! Oh my! Goodness. It might have been Who so scary. Right. It would have been so scary oh, no. or it would have been so antithetical to the life you had planned. Who oh, knows? my goodness. Who knows? I feel like if I stop to think about it, I'd still probably be like holding myself and rocking back and forth in the Maldives somewhere. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to ever rock back and forth the Maldives, baby, that is where the hell you rock. OK, That's the place but what to rock. I would I would like but you to share a little bit around when you were making those decisions, you yeah. were coming up with the plan. OK. My mom yeah. has so this diagnosis, I feel, and, I feel but, like, but yeah, I got to like, have these things. Well, yeah. Take, I us, feel through, like that's take us through that. Take us through that process. What, what I would tell to all caregivers, no matter where you are in your journey, the very beginning of your journey with your loved one or the middle or the end stages with your LO, you have to be much more kind and much more gentle and much more gracious with yourself. And that was a hard lesson, I think, for me to learn because that is not my natural disposition. I am very critical of myself. I'm very critical of others. I expect a lot from myself. I expect a lot from others. I can create a plan. I can execute against the plan flawlessly. And when things don't fall in line the way they're supposed to, I am great at just cutting them out and keep getting the plan back on focus. <laughs> Um, and when you are dealing with this situation, none of that shit works. None of that applies. So the things that I am excellent at, excellent in my professional life, and to, you know, to the demise of some unfortunate relationships, even in my personal life, like don't work with this particular situation. And I would just encourage when you say this situation, you're speaking of you speaking of Alzheimer's. I'm speaking of. I'm speaking of Alzheimer's, but really acutely speaking of being the sandwich generation, having right. young children and having a parent that is like a child. 
that you take over responsibility for in a way that a parent would. But because she's your mother, while you are parenting up because of the complexity of that is your mother, you do still remember her and have the regard of her, the respect for her and remembering her as the person who reared you. You don't treat her like you do Xander. So there's a I do not. That's there, correct. So there is a clear with that's correct. So there's a there's an emotional complexity that is difficult for the sandwich generation. So go right ahead. That's right. That yes, you're exactly right. And I guess that's what I'm talking about is like coming to terms with that, allowing your uh, giving yourself grace and giving yourself room to feel however you feel and to know that it is okay. Like there are some days I'm just overwhelmed. I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and I would like to be able to give myself permission to not be useful to anybody. And that you feel like that sometimes is okay. And that you give yourself that permission from time to time is okay. Because we take care of our loved ones, we take care of our children, you know, out of the overflow of our hearts. We do this not as a burden or not as, you know, a responsibility, but we do this out of love. And if you are not taking time to love yourself and to give yourself to fill up your own love tank, then you don't have the overflow that you need to show up for your loved one or to show up for your kids the way that you want to. If a can is empty, you can crush it with no problem. But if a can is full, there's some resistance. There's something to sustain it. And your heart and your emotional reserves operate very much the same way. And all of your giving, give something to yourself. And all of your caretaking, care for yourself first and don't feel guilty about it. And don't feel like you're being hedonistic or narcissistic when you do it. It's because if you don't put your own, you know, face mask on first, you're not going to be able to help and care for your LL or your kids at all. Um, and then the whole ship gets run aground. Then you have a Titanic moment. Like if you collapse, then we have the Titanic. Right now, it's just like, you know, a two car fender bender at a stop sign intersection but you can turn this shit into the titanic if you don't take care of you first learning that lesson and being okay with prioritizing caretaking of me was a slow lesson that i learned with a lot of resistance and i wish i would have thrown the resistance out of the window much sooner than i did because i think it would have helped speed up my process of becoming so that's the one thing that I would say is anybody can like learn anything from what I've been through over the past four years now. Take care of you first because you give and you take care of your loved ones and your kids out of the overflow of your heart. And you do this out of love for them, not out of obligation to them. And if you don't fill up that love tank, then it then it does become burdensome. It becomes too much and it very quickly becomes too much. And you very quickly become that crushed can, that crushed empty can. What do you do to take care of yourself? Very specifically. Very specifically, I run every morning or I walk. I go so slow. I should just call it walking and not running. But that's but that's fine. I like tip away the burden of feeling like I had to be, you know, on somebody's record, world record setting pace. And, you know, if I'm not running five minutes, miles, that's fine. You know, some days my walk is, can be as slow as a 19 minute mile. And that's fine, too. But every morning I start, you know, Monday through Friday, I should say not on the weekends, but Monday through Friday, I start my, my day with, you know, I do a three to four mile walk slash run every day. And that's my quiet time. I listen to my podcast during that time. 
Um, I, sometimes I just meditate during that time. Sometimes I, you know, just talk out loud. I pray during that time. But that's for me. Like, that's for me. I, like, my blood pressure comes down. I don't do things that aggravate me. I don't return calls. I don't scan, scan and check emails. It's literally just my time to be quiet with me um, and get my mind right for the day. That's one very specific self-care thing that I do. I schedule time off, even if I'm not going on vacation. So I've mastered the art of the staycation where, you know, my whole point is to be in my room with the door closed. Okay, wait, tell me more about that. Okay, no okay, wait, okay, wait now. That is sounds That's fantastic. That's what I'm actually doing right now. That's what I'm actually doing right now. This whole week has been staycation. For okay, me. so, so that, walk take, us through a staycation mm-hmm. considering you are in the sandwich generation, so just, your LO, your mom, and your two-and-a-half-year-old kid live in the house with you. So really be specific mm-hmm. on how you staycation. That's awesome. I ha- yeah. I For my mom, like, we have um, a network of caregivers that come that have been coming to the house even through um, the pandemic. My house kind of functions a little bit like a nursing home. So our home health care aides come. Um, I, I am that person that does the temperature checks <laughs> at the door when they come in and, you know, requires the face masks in the house. But we still have our regular home health care aides that come. So they are still working a normal shift. I am fortunate enough to be able to have an au pair for my son. She's still here and she's still working with him during the day. And then I take off. I, I use, you know, PTO. I'm off from work this week. Literally, I wake up with my son in the morning because he is a little bit of an early riser and the au pair doesn't start working until 8 a.m. But, you know, I wake up with him in the morning and we'll do our cereal and watch his cartoons and wait for the au pair to, to come on duty at 8 a.m. And then that's when I head out for my walk. Once I head out for my walk, like I'm not home. Act like I'm not here. I literally come home and, you know, to your point about the house that we live in, I built the house from the ground up and I designed the layout of the house very specifically to support me being a caregiver for a parent and single mom to a toddler. My bedroom, like the owner's suite of my house, is isolated. It's on the side of the house all by itself. Every other bedroom, <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> every other common area in the house is it's on a- the complete opposite end of the house from where my So when you is. say, I'm not here, they really don't I'm have to. I'm not here. here. Do you understand? It is like the separation between my house and my room and my bathroom and my closet, like the stuff that I need is like the east wing from the west wing. It is literally it. on the opposite side of the house. I love and it. I'm able to come in and out of the house from my wing, from my side. So I can go outside and do so my So they, don't, they walk, literally don't run. know when you come back I'm in. here or not. <laughs> That's right. I come back in. I don't see them. I don't interact with them. I don't talk to them. I shower from my my walk slash run whatever I did that day I put on a fresh set of yoga pants and a fresh t-shirt and I immediately collapse in the comfy shade lounge that's in my the sitting room adjacent to my bedroom and I watch garbage television any reality television show Anything with good fashions and cocktails in the middle of the day, I tune in. That doesn't require me to watch the whole series from beginning to end and follow a plot line. That's what right. I'm about. What and I that's do. your staycation. Um, I love it. And listen, they are responsible for keeping my mom and my son fed from breakfast until dinner. I emerge from my from my cocoon probably around 
five, five thirty to make dinner for the family if I feel like it. If I feel like it. Now I do enjoy cooking. So for me, cooking is also a form of self care because I like to be in the kitchen. I'm a good cook. I enjoy it. So, you know, I will turn on my music and dance around in the kitchen and make dinner for the family. And if I don't feel like it, you know, I will order Grubhub or Uber Eats and send a text message to the caregiver and to the au pair telling them like that food will be at the doorstep at six. So make sure that they eat. So that's kind of what the staycation looks like is I really stay in my space. I stay in my, my wing doing the things that I enjoy doing, <laughs> which is resting, watching garbage television, catching up with, you know, a friend here or or there, getting my my little exercise, my fresh air in in the morning time. I'm yesterday, like I had ordered a bunch of nonsense from Sephora dot com and it came in the mail. So I spent like an hour or so playing with makeup yesterday in my bathroom. <laughs> that was fun. Like I emerged for dinner whole last deep face like I was going <laughs> out somewhere I was like no I just got some new makeup and I was playing today so it was like it was cute she was cute you like right I'm cute I'm cute and I have on lashes and my face is beat because I want to that's and that's right. a part of my self-care and I feel, and and I that's feel good what, that's it that's right that's it I love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a way that you have figured out to stay balanced inside your home, being a part of the sandwich generation, a quintessential member, I might add, of the sandwich generation. I love it. That's right. Give yourself permission and and space to be useful to no one. (laughs) I love that. I'm still working on that, I got to say. But I tell you what, the fact that I know it and the fact that you know it is a huge step. The fact that that we're even aware that that's the goal, right, is a really big deal. Because I remember a time when neither one of us would even admit that that's where we needed to be. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm glad. I'm glad that I was able to you know, like bring some levity to yes. your podcast here. I'm so proud of you for doing this. I tell you all the time. I feel like I in my text messages with my edits and show notes at the very end, I'm like, I'm so proud of you. You did amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I do. I lead with all the feedback and then end with all the adulation. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I mean what I say. I'm so proud of you for creating this space and this forum because it's so useful. And I think that, you know, caregivers, those of us in, that are part of the sandwich generation, those of us who are, you know, taking care of loved ones, we don't often take advantage of the strength that we get from within the community, from other people's stories. And just listening to your stories is helpful to me. It brings levity. It helps me to not take the situation that I am in, the circumstances of my life so seriously all the time. Because there are things that happen that are absolutely a mess. But there's funniness in the mess. I mean, I, I oftentimes think of the story that I shared with you 
account when I took over my mom's finances and I was trying to log into her bank account online and I couldn't do it because I didn't know her password and she doesn't remember her password. And then all of the security questions they give you are things that you have to be not only non-Alzheimer's, but you have to have a great darn memory to know who, what was your sixth grade teacher's name? That was legit one of the security questions. <laughs> I don't know my sixth grade teacher's name. I know my 70, my 79 year old Alzheimer's mother doesn't know either. Right. Like, you know, like, That's correct. I could not answer the security questions. Like what was the name of your elementary school? I don't know the name of elementary school. I'm certain it's not even still a school. So I couldn't get through the gauntlet of security questions. So I had to call the 1-800 number. The lady was getting really short with me because I couldn't answer the security questions. And I was trying to help her understand I'm the daughter of a client of hers who has Alzheimer's. Right, right. My a mom recent, is not a going vi- to be useful. Correct. Yes, a, a recent diagnosis. A recent diagnosis. Which, which not going to be helpful. Right. Which also means, ma'am, I'm going through my own trauma. I'm the daughter. I'm an only child. I'm going through my own trauma. I have the power of attorney. I've just flown because that's when it was all still new. You hadn't moved in. You know, you're flying in from New York. I'm I'm flying in for like days at a time, like a couple couple days and then I go back and then I'll come back another weekend. Just to try to get her affairs in order. And you're like, lady. I'm just, look, I'm just trying to pay these electric bills, okay, and just trying to keep these damn lights on so baby girl won't be in the dark. Mm -mm -mm. She persisted in asking me stuff like, what was the name of your mama's best friend when she was in the sixth grade? Girl, we don't know. We, the collective, we You know what? She know. had no damn friends in the sixth grade, but I'm going to tell you what. Oh, my goodness. Like, she couldn't see past the process that the bank Correct. had given her Correct. to the humanity of the situation to actually be useful. In and a it larger got to the point picture. where, unfortunately, right. I called the girl out of her name on the phone. That was not, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I yelled, and, you know, at her over the phone. And she hung up on me like she should have. And I got mad. I got very mad. Like you should have. Because she hung up. And I drove to a branch. Right. I do remember that. Oh, God, I'm so happy you're telling this story. Obviously, the lady that was on the phone from the call center is not the same lady at the branch. However, however, somebody had to get this heat. I was mad, mad, and somebody was going to get this smoke. So (laughs) I drove to the branch and stormed into the branch. It's a miracle I didn't get arrested. I burst into the branch and just yelled in the middle of the lobby, which one of you bitches hung up on me? (laughs) As though the woman who hung up on me was working at that particular branch on that particular Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Now, in my reasonable mind, I know the lady that hung up on me is not in the branch. But I was so angry and I was so... Dressed by the situation at right. hand, that that just seemed like the only rational, reasonable response to what was happening was to go to the bank and cuss out the lady that hung up on me because I called her out of her name over the phone because she wasn't being helpful. Well, you had to get a good understanding that day. <laughs> well, well, first was you needed to get into that account that day. I needed to pay these bills that, that day. day. Okay. And I needed to know which one of you bitches hung, hung up, up on, me. on me. I'm sure you entered the, the bank with flair. Okay. The, I'm sure you entered baby, with flair. Baby, baby. Broadway listen, and listen, all. Linda, 
Listen, Linda, listen, listen. I'm sure I had on a pair of very expensive sunglasses and I'm sure I had on probably had on one of my mama's meat coat and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure, sure I'm sure it was a cape I am and a shawl sure and a everything. It was a, and everything and everything. I'm sure I was looking like the grand dame of Astoria Lane. I'm sure. I, I mean that's all I could do. Like that's where I was. That's what I wanted to I wanna want people to understand. It's like being a, in this sandwich generation will take you to a place where you feel like it's okay to go into a branch bank and scream at all the people in the ba- in the branch, which one of you bitches hung up the phone in my face? Right. Knowing good and damn well, none of them did. <laughs> none of them did. None of them did, girl. None of them did. But that didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> I felt better. I felt better after I had that explosion at the branch. And I also bet that someone was able to address your concerns and you were able to get that bill paid that day. I bet you got into the account. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. <laughs> because at a Correct. minimum in that part of Ohio, with the way you entered that building and once they, you told them who you were and whose account it was, you know, <laughs> things can happen. Correct. Your mama's name Correct. carries weight. That's another thing about it. Correct. You know, very, very quickly, very quickly. You can explain this scenario. um, The branch general manager appeared and ushered me into his little glassed in office. And he's like, just sit um, down right here. Would you like a would you like a coffee? Would you like some water? Where, where all of the where all of my needs were met for that particular moment. Um, <laughs> they were like, oh shit. <laughs> but you, but like, who is this crazy lady? Right. This um, is not. But, but Ms. hearing stories like that help you understand that you are not alone in this spiral of craziness Correct. that has become your life. Correct. Um, and all of this to say, like, this space is important and the sharing of stories is important. And it heals and it helps more than I think you know. So thank you for what thank you are doing. You. Thank you for letting me know that. Thank you for sharing your story because you are even more personal than I am. <laughs> there are many people who've known me for years and they are like, wow, Jay, you're really opening up. You are telling a lot of your pride information. The Holy Spirit is guiding guiding me to do this. And it's, I think it's, well, that's why, that is absolutely why I am doing it. I do believe that it is helpful because it's a podcast. I don't have to see anybody. I'm only talking. So I'm, you know, I'm just, I have a a little bit of a a cloak of privacy, at least Mm -hmm. in my imagination. Larger than that, it's the greater good. Since I was a child, the notion of helping the masses and helping mankind and helping a larger community has always assisted me past my fear. I've been extraordinarily shy since I was a little kid, but if I thought my engagement, my involvement was going to help somebody. All of a sudden, I could be emboldened and my my wingspan became enormously large. Whereas if it was mm-hmm. just for Jay or for one or two people, I didn't want to grab the mic. I didn't want to perform. I didn't want to talk at church. But if you said, oh, we're trying to do this to assist the elderly. I'll be in the front marching down the street because now you, you've you given me a purpose 
that's much larger than myself. And that's the case with this, with Alzheimer's and with caregivers, because there are even more caregivers than there are individuals with Alzheimer's. There are over 5 million people with Alzheimer's, but it's much greater than a one-to-one ratio of caregivers, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, I'm like, wow, that's that's millions and millions and millions of people that are being affected by this disease. And like what you just described basically gets into the mental health. So caregivers are experiencing tremendous, tremendous unraveling of mental health. So some of us who were already grappling with mental health diseases prior to becoming caregivers are falling way off the deep end. And people who might not have been diagnosed previously, caregiving has tipped them over the edge because you don't know who to talk to. You don't know what you're feeling. There's a lot of guilt. And should you even be feeling this way? And blah, blah, blah. You touched on it a bunch, but it's hard. And you do have outbursts (laughs) because so much Uh has been built up, right? So that lady at the bank who you were on the phone with, you were doing the best you can and she didn't have any empathy at all, which is another huge reason why I am so wed to this podcast and to the Get Vocal platform that I do every Monday night is to say, even until we have a cure, if there are just more people talking about Alzheimer's and dementia, perhaps there will be greater awareness greater sensitivities and greater empathy so that maybe the next time when people start saying, Hey, I'm at the bank. My mama just the snuggle up. Number one, find out what the senior equivalent is to the Amber alert for your area. Is it the silver alert? Do you call nine one one? Do you call five one one three one one? Is there something you can identify in your neighborhood Is there something that you can identify in your community with your police, your city, your county, your sheriff's office? Make sure you know that. Make sure your family members know, your caregivers, anyone that could possibly have your loved one in their care. Number two, if your loved one is still living independently or at home with intermittent care. Think about the communication device that you have. If there's a cell phone, but they rarely use it, or if they're hard of hearing and may not answer the landline, what's your backup plan? Erica's mom didn't really use her cell phone, so that wouldn't have helped much anyway. What's your Next option, perhaps it's a neighbor or there's some other system you can figure out with a family member, someone from church, but you don't want the emergency situation to happen and you're caught with your pants by your ankles. Number three, caregivers. You got to give yourself a break a physical break from the responsibility of being a caregiver. Going to work is not a break. Nope. Going to church is not a break. You have to be away from all activity where something is required of you. Perhaps it's a staycation. Maybe it's a walk. 
Maybe you go to a park and just sit on a bench. Maybe you go to the mall and sit in the food court. Think of something that takes you out of an environment where anybody would ask you to do anything. You don't even want somebody to ask you how you're feeling. I mean, that kind of unplugged. It has been so much fun. You'll have to come back and tell us more stories because now that you have been introduced to the Parenting Up Caregiving Adventures with Comedian Jay Smiles' family, and they know about your son, about your mom, about who you are, your background, how you became a caregiver. Next time you come on, you can just give us stories, right? <laughs> we can just get right to the silly, the silly or the serious, whichever way you feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I plan on um, continually feed and fuel each other with support. How about that? I love it. Absolutely. It's a day. All right. Well, love to you, to Mama Max, and to my main, main man, Zanzan. <laughs> oh, Xander first. I'm surprised that you put Mama Max and me before him. But yes, thank well, you. Well, Mama Max you. has to come first on this podcast. Okay. I mean, that's I mean that's, that's how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I you you know what's going on over here, so don't worry about that. I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> I love you more. Okay. Talk to you later, sweetie. Take care. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Snuggle Up, number one. Find out what the senior equivalent is to the Amber Alert for your area. Is it the Silver Alert? Do you call 911? Do you call 511, 311? Is there something you can identify in your neighborhood? Is there something that you can identify in your community with your police, your city, your county, your sheriff's office? Make sure you know that. Make sure your family members know, your caregivers, anyone that could possibly have your loved one in their care. Number two, if your loved one is still living independently or at home with intermittent care, Think about the communication device that you have. If there's a cell phone, but they rarely use it, or if they're hard of hearing and may not answer the landline, what's your backup plan? Erica's mom didn't really use her cell phone, so that wouldn't have helped much anyway. What's your next option? Perhaps it's a neighbor, or there's some other system you can figure out with a family member, someone from church, but you don't want the emergency situation to happen and you're caught with your pants by your ankles. Number three, caregivers. You gotta give yourself a break, a physical break from the responsibility of being a caregiver. Going to work is not a break. Nope, going to church is not a break. You have to be away from all activity where something is required of you. Perhaps it's a staycation. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe you go to a park and just sit on a bench. Maybe you go to the mall and sit in the food court. Think of something that takes you out of an environment where anybody would ask you to do anything. You don't even want somebody to ask you how you're feeling. I mean, that kind of unplugged. Number four, 
If you enjoyed this podcast, if you've gotten one single tidbit of help or support, please share it. Spread the word. Click on it. Send the link to someone. It will help. You are my marketing budget. Yep. Thank you. Number five, join us every Monday night for our live streaming show on GetVocal.com. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the United States. Cannot wait to see you, chat with you, hear your questions and your comments about caregiving. Also, sign up for our Parenting Up email list. Both have details in the show notes. That's it for now. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe for continuous caregiving tips, tricks, trends, and truth. Pretty, pretty please with sugar on top. Share and review it too. I'm a comedian. Alzheimer's is heavy, but we ain't gotta be.